Welcome to the Apple Store Covent Garden in London. Tonight's host, Boyd Hilton. We've got a very exciting opportunity to meet uh, two of the leading cast of the legendary Downton Abbey. But before we meet them, let's have a look, remind you of the trail for this last series, series six of Downton Abbey. Let's have a look. If I could stop history in its tracks, maybe I would. But I can't, Carson. You nor I can hold back time. Close up the windows, bring the sun to my room through the door you've opened. Close inside me, the light you see that you met in darkness. We have had our moments, haven't we, milady? We certainly have. Time to say goodbye. Let's say hello to Laura Carmichael and Hugh Bonneville. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So, uh, we've done quite a few of these events celebrating Downton Abbey at the Apple Store with uh, special Apple um, iTunes events. But this will be the last one, certainly in London. And I guess you're kind of winding up the whole experience that has been a huge part of your lives for the last six or seven years. How does it feel right now? Well, we're going on a sort of world tour of Apple stores, really, yeah. just to, just to bring things to a close. <laughs> it, does feel, um, it does feel like the end. I mean, that trailer really, you know, when it first came out, we thought, well, that's, that really is final. Yeah. Um, so it's been, we've had a, a wonderful time over six years, and they've sort of flown by, but it's definitely the, the right time to quit while we're ahead. And how does it feel for you, Laura, like kind of when you're in the process, I guess, of saying a fairly long goodbye, but to this, yeah, to this show? Yeah, it has, we have every location that we wrapped on, we had a different party. So <laughs> right. I think we've, um, we've really milked it. But um, yeah, it's, it's really emotional. We were very emotional filming all of the last scenes and um, wrapping different characters. But it, it is nice that we have this time when it's airing and it airs later in the States, so we'll do promotion later there as well. So we kind of still see each other. It won't be till next year when we suddenly feel yeah. bereft properly. And in fact, the, um, the, you know, marking the final scenes that everyone shot has already started because for various reasons, Elizabeth, who plays Cora, uh, her final scene was in the episode that aired last week, uh, one of the dining room scenes. And uh, when, that, when I saw that come up, I suddenly you know, remembered that that was one of the last scenes we actually shot, wasn't it? Oh, wow. On location. Um, so we're all ticking them off one by one now. Yeah. So as we speak right now, we should say, um, if, when people are listening to this, um, that we're about to see the final episode of the season, final normal episode, of, of the series, on, which is coming up on Sunday on ITV at nine o'clock. And then there is the Christmas Day traditional. So that's the absolute finale, that episode. But there's a kind of, having seen, I'm lucky enough to have seen the, the, uh, this Sunday's episode, and it does have a feeling of a lot of things happening. We're building up your character, for example. There's this, there's this uh, is she or isn't she going to get married to this lovely man? How, how, is, how is she kind of feeling right now, kind of as we near the end of her story? Well, She's delighted, I think. Um, she's very much in love with Bertie and wants to marry him. But um, 
she's worried about Marigold and yes. will she be allowed to live with them? Should she tell him the truth, etc.? How did it work with, with Julian Fellows, the writer of the whole thing? It struck me that um, watching that episode that goes on Sunday, that it feels like the whole thing has been building up to this, like six years of episodes have been building up to, I mean, what he's got in store for you all, I guess. But it definitely feels certainly for you that this romance is like a... You really deserve to have some happiness <laughs> and romance in your life, don't you? I mean, yeah, sure. I think people do want to see Edith married yeah um, happily but um yeah it's it's nice that that has been this ongoing art yeah but don't forget her nickname is poor edith exactly. so you know yeah. it's not going to be a smooth path no. whichever way <laughs> absolutely and i don't think um yeah he, he doesn't disappoint julian no no did you did, did you talk to him about um how much does he do to communicate to him about what he has in store when when things are wrapping up did you did you do you know uh, until you read the script well we read the first Five came through in whatever it was, January or so, and there were a couple of things within, within my storyline that uh, I just commented about. Um, I think along with some of the nation, I was slightly confused about the hospital plot and uh, was wondering where it was yep. going. And uh, I'm delighted to say it's still there in episode eight. Um, and, um, and also, I, you know, when I read uh, the, the, for the, for those, there's a spoiler for those who haven't seen uh, this series yet, but uh, what happened in episode five with uh, Robert's illness, yes. um, when I read that, I had to read it twice because I thought, it, I said this could be a great coup de télé because uh, I wasn't, I, you know, everyone saw that something was coming to Robert and everyone was thinking maybe he's going to have a heart attack or be carted yeah. off to hospital in the final episode. And then, so that was a wonderful shock. Um, yeah. And there's, uh, there's some more to come, actually. Let's talk about, we've got to talk about that scene because that is one of the most extraordinary scenes in history, <laughs> not only of Downton Abbey, but of British television. Uh, it's become known as the alien scene, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's how, we, that's how we referred to it, yeah, too. Yeah, so your, your ulcer burst and <laughs> literally blood... I mean, it was... Apt, and I was warned, as, as, a, as a TV critic, you, you, you know, publicist, so there's a big thing coming up and you have to sign everything saying you're not going to give it away. But even then, I was stunned and shocked. So how was the film... Was it fun filming it, in a way? I mean, it was. It was we, we, we rehearsed it meticulously in a sort of aircraft hangar with sort of safety people around almost. <laughs> no, we, we rehearsed it at Ealing Studios a few weeks before, and the, the biggest concern was getting the, the uh, colour of the blood right, right, because we know that there are very keen followers of, uh, of Downton Abbey uh, 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 oddities and, and any mistakes, so we had a doctor, uh, you know, to go through it with us so that the first spout of blood is darker than the second, oh, because okay. the first... When an ulcer bursts, it'll be, I hope none of you have eaten yet. Um, when an ulcer uh, you know, f is burst, it, it pools blood in the stomach, and so that has a darker colour when it first comes out. But, this, but from then on, it's pumping blood. So that, that is a richer red. And so the, uh, our makeup artist was uh, you know, playing with the different coloured tones as we spattered it over, mm. over white cloths in, um, at Ealing Studios, uh, with lots of people taking photographs from different angles and working out how to do it most economically, because obviously, resetting the dining table of the white yeah. cloth at Highclere takes, you know, 40 minutes. So in the end, uh, and also, you know, how to make it a good dramatic effect. And also my biggest concern was how much could I get on Elizabeth McGovern? Right. I mean, uh, it was very right. funny. Poor Elizabeth McGovern, yeah. Hugh really, really tried to cover Elizabeth and none of us expected that he would get that far, but she was covered. Um, did you get splattered at all? Did you? No, no, I, no. I, I, I was safe. You were out of, out yeah, of the eyeliner. I was yeah. sort of to your right, I okay. think. But Famously in Alien, they didn't, I think they, Ridley Scott, the director of it, didn't tell the rest of the cast yeah. that John Hurt's 
stomach was but you you were all told what was going to happen we were but, but yeah. we didn't know it was going to be as explosive as it was <laughs> no. i don't think so uh, it's still we still are quite genuinely shocked <laughs> thinking that yeah this this whole thing with this poor kid is just ruining her life but she's met this wonderful man the other thing of course is the lady this lady mary battle yes i think it's safe to say is reaching mm-hmm. ahead a yeah. very interesting head how is that for you to act act to that with Michelle Dockery and how, how do you get on and is it fun that you've got you, the two yeah. of you are kind of the war between the two of you is building up isn't it yeah we love it and Michelle and I are very close friends so it's it's really fun to play those scenes where we're awful to one another it's quite fun um, and I think you know knowing it was the last series we wanted them to have a moment where they would say all the things they want to say or you know either clash or make up and I think as you can see through the previous episodes Mary is starting to get a bit suspicious about Marigold yes she be dangerous. Yeah, she's the only person in the world who doesn't know isn't she really, yeah pretty much. that's it and, yeah. and it's simply because she doesn't pay Edith enough attention I don't think she doesn't care enough um, but yeah that's sort of been bubbling away what really struck me, just looking at that clip, the, yeah. the, when I talk about the costumes, um, the, yeah. particularly for the ladies, I think, I think you know, Anna's done an amazing job this year in pulling out even more. Every, every scene, the, you girls seem to have another stunning outfit. I think it looks great. Well, and she thinks about where the, we're going to be filming. So in that, you know, you, my blouse matches the meadow. It's sort of ridiculous. Wow. But... Um, the, um, the dress that Mary wears in the Criterion matches the ceiling in the Criterion, and, you know, it's, it, it's so thoughtful. Yeah. Well, I was going to mention that, because I think this series, it feels like as the, as the show's going on, that it gets visually more lavish and more kind of beautiful. Does it, does it seem that... Was that a deliberate thing? Was that a thing that maybe it was just more money? I don't know. How... I don't know if it was more money. <laughs> certainly, more, certainly more ambition, I think. Yeah. And, uh, no, there is, there, is, there is more money on the screen. There's no question about that. And I think as the confidence grew, and, you know, we've had three costume designers. Uh, one was sort of promoted from within... Uh, uh, and then, and then Anna came over in the last, came on board in the last two seasons, and she's stepped it up a gear again. Particularly, I think you know, with the, obviously, with the fashions changing as fast as they did in the in that period for for women particularly, uh, and it does look more sumptuous. So it's just stunning, I think. And in terms of the kind of the big themes, I guess, of this final series, it feels like um, Julian Fellows is definitely establishing clearly that this is a kind of a very important time for the whole aristocracy and having servants and that whole thing that is kind of winding down to a certain extent. You know, you had to have members of the public coming in um, to the house in all of this. That, was that, that, that's an interesting kind of thing to deal with, isn't it, for the show? Because a lot of people kind of think it's a celebration of, of you know, the upstairs and downstairs. But, but this is clearly showing that it's all a bit... It's all getting a bit sad for everyone, really. Does it feel that way to you? It's, it's certainly... Uh, well, obviously, the thing of opening the house, you know, and God forbid this should ever happen for real sort of right. thing, you know, is obviously a knowing wink at uh, what's ha- what happens to most big houses these days just to keep functioning. Um, uh, High Clear being a prime example. But uh, I, I, think, I think Julian is very even-handed. Yes, he does celebrate this world uh, and, and clearly loves it, but he's not uh, shy of, uh, you know pointing out its faults uh, and, uh, and that this is an end of an era. Mm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that was sort of Julian's intention with the show initially in the first stage direction was to kind of highlight how this was the beginning of the end for houses like this. So um, I think it's, it's obviously grown 
as we've gone along. Mm. There was a lovely scene in that episode where, where the public were coming in and, and you, a little boy, and you were ill in bed, and the little boy wanders in randomly. I thought that, that was a great little moment. Wasn't there are he these... good as yeah, well? Yeah, brilliant. So yeah. good. Yeah, no, I, I, really, I like that. It's one of my favourite scenes, actually, because, you know, this little out-of-the-mouths-of-babes, yeah. you know, is a, why, why are you living in a big house like this? Why yeah. can't you live in a normal house, yeah. you know? And you think it's fair point, you know? Yeah. Why do we live with yeah. all this? And it's just, you know, this sense of the great tradition of these big estates, these big houses um, coming to an end. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's really flagged up, especially in that first episode when we go over to Malaton to see uh, Sir John Darnley's estate literally being sold off piecemeal. Mm and that that is the way that so many of these estates ended up, you know, um, yeah. the family silver being sold. And do you think in terms of Robert's um, story that he's, he's, going, he's becoming, he's clearly becoming more, I think, thinking more about the staff and thinking more about his relationship with the servants and all of that. That's clear, isn't it, coming up, especially as we reach the end of the series? I think so, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's <clears throat> having to scale back a bit. And uh, taking a long time to get rid of poor old uh, Thomas, <laughs> the under the under butler, but um, yeah, he can see the writing on the wall. He's always been slow to catch up, but once he gets the point, he does embrace he does embrace change. Yeah. yeah. Is it a relief to have a dog not called Isis now? A new dog. <laughs> <laughs> new Uncle Tio. Yes. I'd like to put to bed any. Uh, any thought that uh, the dog met its demise because of its name, um, <laughs> that was not the case. As I'm sure the astute members of this particular audience know, television shows are written many months in advance of international events. And uh, in fact, it was something I did suggest to to Julian, I said, you know, like, we're all, you know, not ageing in the show very significantly, but this dog is now getting really, should be getting really quite old. <laughs> yeah. And that might be a fun storyline to, you know, well, not a fun storyline, but it might be a storyline to... <laughs> <laughs> might be a storyline to explore. And so he, he, he went with that, and uh, we, we lost poor Isis, but now we have lovely little Tio, who is very sweet. It's, he does seem a very cute dog. She, she, she is. She, she's a bitch. Dog. Oh, OK, <laughs> fair enough. Um, and... Did you see um, Dame Maggie on Graham Norton a couple of weeks ago? She was in tremendous yeah. form. Yes, 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 yes. And what struck me about... I mean, she's not in this episode particularly, but she, she is, she's back in the, in the, in the series, which is probably off filming, I imagine, or something like that. I don't know. That's my guess. Uh, I can't remember. What, what she, I think she wanted to lie something down. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I think she's got more and more, more feisty, more stronger, funnier, everything um, as the series has gone on. And now just has some extraordinary scenes in this final episode. Um, what's, what's your favourite experience of acting with Dame Maggie? I think the most memorable for me was my first, because I was absolutely wetting my pants. And uh, uh, it's the scene when she, uh, in episode one of the first series, where she shields her, her hand against the lights with this newfangled thing called electricity, which we've had put into the ground floor rooms. And she said it's like being on stage at the Gaiety Theatre, you know. And, uh, and in the stage direction, it said she shields her, her face from the light <laughs> for a moment, but she brought out her fan and held it there for the entire scene. It was just brilliantly <laughs> uh, comic and, and uh, just really set the tone for everything that she's done since. She's, you know, she's a legend. She's so qu her mind is quicksilver yeah. and she can, she can uh, sell a line like no one else. Well, Laura, what's your favourite memory? I don't know, really. I'm trying to think, because they're all really great and I, she really makes me laugh and I really enjoy trying to make her laugh. <laughs> and so um, that's sort of true of all of it, really. I got into a habit of um, finding funny animal pictures on the internet and storing them to show to Maggie, because I showed her a cat picture once and she loved it. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and when she got, 
a bit fed up, she would say, you know, show me the cat, and I'd get my phone out and find it. So, yeah, I mean, just too many happy memories, really. How long ago did you film the last, your last scenes? Was it uh, I finished on August the 10th, so okay. was that a couple of months ago? A couple of months ago. And how did it feel? Did it, did it, was there a tear in your eye? Was, what was the... Well, you and Michelle had a, a moment at Highclere, didn't you? When yeah. We finished in July in High, at Highclere. Yeah. Yeah, we, we walked through the house crying. Okay. <laughs> um, then sat on the bench and cried. Um, yeah, it was really surreal, and that particularly saying goodbye to the house because it instantly felt like someone else's home again. And it, for a, a while, for six years, it felt like our home or office or something, and uh, which is very clearly not that again. We are. Um, I, I did my last scene with Michelle, which was rather nice because it, I think I did my first scene with, uh, with her as well. Uh, and so we had a nice little quartet scene. And then um, I was fine. I, was, I thought, oh, that's it, you know, another job done. And I got into the makeup chair and started taking the makeup off. And I saw all the sort of picture references around the, around the mirrors and all the sort of snapshots that have been taken over the course of this last series. And I did have a little, you know, <clears throat> dust in my eye for a moment. Good. Jim yeah. Carter, big old bluff Yorkshireman yeah. Jim Carter, oh, really? broke down in sobs. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's interesting. So he was Jim. It was Jim the most emotional of all of you. No. <laughs> no okay. Ranked the whole cast in terms of uh, No, he was. I think they, yeah. they were doing a, a. It was a very nice scene to end on. I think they scheduled it purposely mm. that it was a, a group scene with with the, from the downstairs, and it ended in the scene was quite emotional. And I yeah. think when uh, when Jim heard that's a rap and you know that's a rap on X Y Z and A B and C from the cast. I think that's when it hit him. And he saw when he saw Bobby the grip. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a big, you know, burly, stocky Welshman in tears. That set Jim off. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. When you have the grip of tears, that's, that's yeah. big. Yeah. Our, our grips are always crying, though, when I think oh, about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, they were grown men weeping. Yeah. So. Do you know if, when, when it came to, um, when you read the final scripts and you read whatever was in store for your characters, what was your, I mean, you, I don't want you to give anything away, but what was your feeling, honestly? I could. I have on my iPhone a... As the script was handed to me, it was a day at Highclere Castle, and I gave uh, one of the ADs my phone. I said, right, film me, because I'm now going to turn to the last page. Yeah. And because uh, I wanted to know, you know, what happened. I, I read the last scene, and uh, it, it's, it's quite... It, well, I'm not going to say anything, <laughs> but uh, my reaction was appropriate to uh, the result. Okay. Interesting. And you, and Laura? Um, yeah, I can't even remember. It was sort of... Um, it, it, it felt very significant. I think it ends really beautifully. I think Julian does a really great job. And I think as this series has gone on, I think it heats up and it leads to a big explosion in a way that I think people will feel satisfied, or I hope, you know, mm. it's been a, a big thing. And, but as always, you know, as Julian's always reflected on in, in, in each series, each episode, really, that some stories in life are never finished or are left unfinished or are better left unfinished. Sure. So, sure. Uh, uh, but I, I, I certainly choked up when I did sit down and read it properly. I, I certainly choked up as much because I knew this was the last time I'd be reading. They've always been such a pleasure to read uh, as much as anything. And uh, this was the, my last experience of ever reading one of these. And there's yeah. been 52 of them, which I know by American standards is nothing. But, uh, but uh, it's been, a, you know, 52 episodes of our, of our lives. Did you did you do you know whether he had his plan for the ending of the of the series in mind? You know, for a long time, or do you know? Did you speak to him about that? Or do you... well, we as, as some people probably know, we we were due to finish after series five, yeah. and it was during that, or was it the end of series four? I can't remember. Anyway, at some point, 
he, he actually said, I don't think I can bring this into land in the way that would satisfy me and the audience. It, it would feel too rushed. And so we, that's why we agreed to, to do a six. So rather than, you know, people saying, the show's been cancelled, actually it was extended. And, um, uh, you know, we, so it gave him time to breathe right. and, and let, his, let, let him play with the characters futures in the way that he felt best. Mm. And did you, did you ever talk to him, Laura, about, you know, the way your, the arc of, of, uh, of your character, or, or do you let him kind of do what he wants and then you, you act it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely tried at points and <laughs> yes. failed. Um, so I gave up <laughs> after a while. But um, it, he always comes up with, you know, wonderful storylines and you know he's going to lead it in an exciting way and um, so I, I, there's not much I would have mm. really wanted to change ever. Sure. And Lady Ethith has become a good, bit of a kind of feminist um, kind of icon. Yeah. I'm using the word icon I've just just mentioned. But sure. in this series with the news, with the magazine and you yeah. know, it's kind of, an, that, I never expected that to happen really. And no. I think he does I think people don't necessarily give him credit but he explores these things, racism, homosexuality feminism, it's all there mm. isn't it these, these themes that he explores. Yeah well, and I think it's such a fascinating time for women, you know, the 10 years that we've spanned, more than that, 13 years. And, um, yeah, so I think it, it, that's going to be reflected in the female characters. But, yeah, I think it's, it's fascinating what's happened to Edith. Um, but, it, you know, she would have been the most traditional. I think she would have been very happy to marry a lord mm. in Caesar Eden one. But um, it was not to be, and that sort of has led her to be more interesting, which I've loved. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm. She's got more and more kind of interesting as it's gone yeah. on, I think, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. And what's it been like being a daughter of, of Hugh over oh. these years? <laughs> uh, it's been lovely. It's been really lovely. We do feel like family is funny. Yeah. Um, you know, and Elizabeth as well, you know. We, we are very close and I've, I've loved it. Oh. And, and, and since we're nearing the end, I'm going to ask you a couple of things. Like, so, what's been your what's your favourite memory of the whole the whole filming period of the whole six years? Can you think of a scene or a a storyline that strikes you as being favourite? I don't know why, but I've I've loved when we filmed in Annick for some reason. I've, you know, I've, the, the atmosphere up in Annick Castle was astonishing, and we go there again in the uh, Christmas episode. Um, not only the, the, the welcome we got there, but just the atmosphere of the place. And also because it meant that we were all together, um, you know, on, on tour, so to speak. And the people of Anik were incredibly welcoming. Um, and in terms of specific scenes, um, well, actually, I do remember, I mean, it was a, a soggy memory. It was when we were shooting the grouse last year and we literally went from hail in the morning to sort of bright sunshine to deep, dense fog to mist to rain all in one day. And we thought, I remember thinking, we'd, we'll never be able to cut, they'll never cut this together. Yeah. And of course, you watch it and it looks absolutely fine. But that was, a, I've got, was again, hilarious. memories of everyone huddled under umbrellas with the, with the sort of wool, tweed and wool coats mm. absolutely black with rain on them. That was memorable, probably for the wrong reasons. But um, yeah. what about you? I think maybe the, the garden party in season one, just because there was something that happened by that point in filming. You know, we were on our eighth episode and we could kind of feel that it was probably going to be quite good or that it would be, okay, you know, it was going quite well and we really, you know, were getting on very well and it was a sunny day and a great scene. And uh, I think we were excited with what we'd done. So I've got very happy memories of, of that day. 
And we shot, yeah, in fact, we sh that was three days, wasn't it? That whole yeah. sequence of the garden party when war is announced at the end of uh, season one. And uh, we were blessed. We, in fact, we've been blessed so often by the weather. I mean, we had to p postpone the cricket match in season three, three times because of rain, and because it was a three-day sequence. And it literally, it was raining. The rain stopped just as we started filming, and the rain started just as we finished day three. Um, and, this, and similarly, with the, uh, with the garden party in season one, we had three, three days of beautiful weather. Not too you know, sun-drenched, sun which of course is not, isn't great for filming, but, but with a, a consistent light and, and it had that pre-war, you know, when everything was golden and perfect and then this news came and uh, everything was going to change. And of course, none of us knew that we were going to do a second series, so no. you know, yeah, um, it had a finality about it. And at what point, do, and it has become a cultural phenomenon, not only in this country, but in America, particularly extraordinary response over there. What point did you kind of realize this is really something huge? And, and you know, that I guess it's kind of changed your life in a way. I don't know, because it has, it just continues to surprise me and snowball. Yeah. Um, I remember Sophie uh, McShira, who plays Daisy, telling me that Joan Rivers had tweeted about it. That was quite early on in the first airing of, of season one. So. Um, that felt really exciting and you thought, oh gosh, people might watch it over there. And, but that's really how, yeah. um, you know, we felt about it. So I don't know when we realised how big of a deal it is. I think, it, I think, I think well, A, when, when, the, when the, the figures went up for episode two, which rarely happens mm. because normally, you know, the, the publicity may, means you get a certain audience for the first episode and then those who like it stay and uh, those who don't, it normally drops off by, I don't know, 20% as an mm. average, I guess. Ours went up by 10 or 15% and then it grew and grew and grew. So that started being a bit interesting. And then I, it was really when a, when a lad came up to me in my boy's playground at school uh, and he was about 10 at the time. And um, this, this particular boy, and uh, he said, I don't like that Thomas. <laughs> and I thought, and, and um, I thought, you're 10 and you're watching Downton. And then it, gradually you started to realize that the demographic for the show was extraordinarily broad. Um, it wasn't just your, your normal, if you like, Sunday night costume drama audience. It had spread to teenagers and, and, young, and young kids and that families were watching it together. And that's, that's one of the consistent things that people have said, that they can watch it as, as a family, uh, apart from maybe one or two scenes. But, um, um, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but it has brought, you know, grannies and grandchildren and, and uh, you know, uh, children together. Absolutely. And when you're in America, you get fated by politicians and all sorts. Who, who are your favourite celebrity fans of the show? Hmm. I don't know. Um, you, you've been to the White House. That's, uh, yes, that's the, the, the First Lady's a, a big fan. And when we were there, actually, it was John Kerry, who's now Secretary of State. He, yeah. um, he came over to, 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 to say hello to um, Elizabeth and myself. And uh, he said that he'd had, uh, he'd had some, he hadn't been sleeping well uh, a few weeks before. And so he'd, he'd sort of stuck on this DVD at about three in the morning that his wife had you know, been watching, which he hadn't taken any notice of. And he said, I was still there at 10 a.m. You know, I was hooked. And uh, so that's quite strange when you see uh, people like that getting uh, involved in it. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I think being part of, like going over the award stuff has mm. been super fun because you do meet the cast of Mad Men and the cast of Game of Thrones. And, you know, so you do end up sort of meeting them and that's been amazing to be considered in amongst their yeah. Yeah. their dramas so yeah. that's been really lovely yeah because you and near out you've been nominated for golden globes and emmys and all of yeah. this stuff yeah. yeah yeah it's been amazing yeah. and i'm going to throw it open to the audience we've got time for questions before i do my final question there's always rumors of a film is that can you give us an exclusive any news on that 
absolutely no idea, um, <laughs> uh, genuinely. I think, I think we're all ready just to, you know, to, to celebrate the end of it. And if in time Julian uh, puts his pen to paper and comes up with a script that, as he said himself, the delicate thing is, is you, it can't just be another episode, because yeah. then it's not cinematic. And if it's too cinematic, then people say, well, where's Downton Abbey gone? So it's a very t tough tightrope to walk. And if anyone can pull him off, it's the Oscar-winning yes. writer of Gosford Park. So we'll yeah, see. he could yeah. always write Gosford Park again. Yeah. We could do that. Yeah, <laughs> just do Gosford Park too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll would see. you be up for it if there was a film? I'm, yeah, I'm putting, I yeah. mean, it will be really interesting in terms of uh, of when he's able to do it. Mm. He's so busy, Julian. He's got yeah. five new shows starting, and he's doing a play on Broadway. I mean, all sorts. But um, so yeah, we'll we'll see. But I'm sure we'd all love to get back together and and do yeah. it again. Before one more thing, you've got your your film Burn, 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 which got nominated for a British Independent Film Award this yes, week. Yes, it did. Which is very Thank exciting. you very much. Yes, and what can you tell us about that film? It looks looks fascinating. It looks very exciting. It's great fun. It was really nice to do something very different. It's a comedy. It's a road movie. Um, two girls are scattering the ashes of their dead friend. Um, but it is a comedy. And they um, sort of, yeah, meet some odd and interesting British characters along the way. Um, but I, yeah, I loved it and I'm, I'm very proud of it. So I'm excited about the Biffa novel. Yeah. It's great. And you, you played Lord Mountbatten in the film coming up, is that? Yeah, from one earl to a viscount. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just I've just finished a film in in India directed by Gurinder Chada, who made uh, Bend It Like Beckham, uh, called Viceroy's House, and it's about the final days of uh, British India. Um, and it's in, in structure, it's not unlike uh, Downton in that you know the, the, there's the political front cloth going on upstairs with Nehru and Gandhi and Jinnah and the whole political machinations that were happening. But the, the real heart of the story is what's happening in the kitchens and backstage as, uh, you know, as between the servants. And of course, as, as the tensions build and, the, and, the, and uh, the, the country begins to fracture, so does the, the house, the, the staff. And so Gillian Anderson and I play uh, Lord and Lady Mountbatten. Yeah. Well, that's very exciting. Right, let's throw them to the audience. And we've got mics. So if you put your hand up, if you have a question, then we'll get a mic to you. Hello. Uh, it's a two-part question, I guess. Um, what aspect of uh, the 1920s, particularly aristocratic lifestyle, would you like to incorporate into your life, if you would? And then conversely, what part of modern life are you particularly thankful for in comparison? Um, I, I would like hats to come back. I think hats, particularly on men. I don't understand why. What happened? Um, I think those are lovely. And uh, my grandpa always used to wear hats, so I, I'd like people to start wearing hats again. Um, but then what, what, what would I not like? I mean, I guess I love, you know, the modern, the freedoms that we have today and that it isn't a strange thing for a woman to own a newspaper. Um, so, I, yeah, I feel very um, pleased to have been born in this time, despite there being less hats. <laughs> um, I'm with you on the hats. I think you were rocking a hat earlier. I think yeah, I have a hat. Yeah. In fact, I'm bringing it back, Laura. It's all yeah. down to me. Yeah. Um, uh, I I think I like I like the pace of life. Um, the, the fact that you can't be got in touch with so instantly and immediately. I, I think. Um, even though Edith does seem to go up and down to London, um, you know, faster than an intercity train, um, uh, I do like that. I, I do th like that sense that you can't quite be got at as easily as you as we can now all connect. Um, and of course, we're in the in the you know here we're sitting in the 
hub of connectivity. So I would, uh, I would, I would, uh, I would not miss uh, the, the technology that we now have um, and the solitude. And there was one day, actually, you were asking about favourite moments. There was one day in series one when, after the ash cloud had uh, had been had been in uh, in Iceland, wasn't it? And um, and so there was no there was a no fly zone for whatever two or three weeks, two weeks or so, and it, so the sky was absolutely clear. And Maggie and I were out on the lawn doing a scene, and she said, "This is what it would have been like, of course." And you realise then how much of our lives is taken up with background white noise or, or white images of, of vapor trails and everything else. So I think that just that sense of uh, simplicity, but. Um, but that's crazy also because we, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to live in the world uh, with all the technological advances that we have. Um, so uh, I wouldn't like to live in those times, but I, but it's, it's, I like to spend a Sunday night there. <laughs> As we all do. Yes, who's next? Oh, yes, just there, towards the back. Where did you, where did you film in London specifically, and um, how did you enjoy filming in London as opposed to High Clear? Well, it's, it's nice to be in London because I, I live in London, so it's always <laughs> nice for me. Um, and it's very exciting when you're filming here because they close roads. We film odd hours um, of the night often. Um, and, yeah, we've shot in a couple of places. Uh, we shot in Rules, not very far, in fact, just on Maiden Lane. Go there, it's very nice. Which is one of the oldest restaurants in London, I think. Um, and has remained the same. It's also in James Bond, I saw the other day. Um, and The Criterion um, by Piccadilly, uh, which is another beautiful restaurant. And where else have we been? Well, we, we filmed in, I can't remember the name of the house, but it's, it, it doubled as the Buckingham Palace. And it's, um, it's at the end of uh, Pall Mall. Uh, when, if you, if you, by the IOD. Just before you turn up... Um, Gosh, St James's Street, I think it is. Anyway, if you carry on there, there's a, there's a whole little world down the end of uh, Pall Mall. Um, and in there is this particular building, which I think was the same architect as Buckingham Palace, with these you know, palatial rooms. Um, I can't remember the name of the house now. But um, So that was rather stunning to film in, when, uh, in the Christmas special of season four, when Lady Rose was presented to the king. Um, so that was rather magnificent. Uh, where else have we filmed on there the street? There are some more that I'm not going to tell you, because they're to come in the oh, next yes. few episodes. Um, but yeah, it, it's really exciting filming in the capital and you get, you know, crowds of people wondering what's going on. Oh, we did St Pancras as well. That oh. was very clever. Um, mm. Because I, I was wondering how on earth are they going to do this? There's the Eurostar there. But they, they put up a bit of fake wall here and, a, you know, a prop fence there and they magicked it. But we come out... Um, Edith got off the train and was met by Gregson and they walk out and get into a cab. So it's very impressive. That's great. That. Thank you. Great question. Is there a lesson that your character learned in the series that you keep with you personally? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what a good question. You've stumped them. I think, I mean, Edith is sort of, um, she's very brave, despite all of the knocks. Um, you know, the day after being jilted, there's that moment where she says, you know, I, I'm going to get up for breakfast. And Julian always says that about her, that she is resilient and she wants something for her life and she'll, you know, she'll pursue it despite the knocks. So I guess that's quite a nice thing to remember. 
I think, uh, well, two things really, I suppose. One is that the women are always right. <laughs> um, or it's easier just to play life that way. Um, uh, but also, I just think the thing I've always liked about Robert is that for all his uh, errors and, and mistakes and uh, misjudgments, he's got um, a, great a great sense of compassion and tolerance. Uh, and I think that is something worth hanging on to. What is the worst mishap or disaster that's happened on set? Well, actually, <laughs> there, with the, the new puppy, Tio, there's a, a, a time jump in one of the uh, episodes coming up. And it's, a, I can't remember, it's a few months. Um, so we had, obviously, you had to have two different puppies. Um, unfortunately, the animal trainer hadn't got quite the right message. And this, what looked to me like two-year-old dog turned up. It's meant to be going from three months to whatever, six or seven months. And um, unfortunately, we, we were stuck. We had, to, we had to film with it because, you know, there was only one dog in the van. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we did have to then go and re shoot a pickup shot um, and insert it into the scene a bit later with the, with the right-sized puppy. That was a bit of a mistake. It was a... Were you there that day? I can't no, remember. Well, I, I witnessed the dog being shot on green screen. Yes. Um, so you're going to say you witnessed the dog being yeah. shot there? Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> going too, too far. too big. We'll just have to know. Not at all. Um, that wasn't very good. There was, I do remember Asparagus Gate, which was my fault in series one, um, where we were about to, we were going to shoot a scene with eating asparagus. And I suddenly got nervous about, because, you know, obviously you use your fingers and these days. And I thought, what if, what if it was different then? And it was the one day that our wonderful historical advisor, the Oracle, Alistair Bruce, wasn't there so we were trying to phone him he was up in a sky helicopter you know commentating on some royal thing i think and we couldn't reach him so so uh i, I as it turns out the etiquette was that you did use your fingers but i we, i wasn't convinced and so we ended up chopping all the asparagus up and pretending it was, they were beans instead <laughs> yeah um and obviously hugh and i uh, had the water bottle yeah and that i mean it wasn't as much of a disaster as it turned into, but um, it would have been cropped, that photo, to not include the water bottle. That was the plan. Yeah. Um, Slightly it slipped through. But it good came out through. of it because uh, yeah. I'm now an ambassador for WaterAid uh, on the back oh, of yeah. that. And I've just been, yeah. yeah, when I was out in India, I went and saw a couple of WaterAid projects and uh, we're launching a, a, a campaign next week. So, you know. Wasn't that big a mistake? Did that really exactly. come out of the water? Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. Yeah, because yeah, as, as many of you will know, yeah, there was this water bottle on a f shot of me and Laura in the in the uh, in the drawing room, and um, so that sort of went viral. And it happened. It so happened that it was published on the day that we were all doing press conferences, so we were all together. So the next day, we you know we all got a water bottle and said donate to WaterAid, um, and then they got in touch and said would I um, work with them. So it's been oh, that's, that's been great. Good. That's brilliant. Well, what I can do is thank you all very much for coming and thanks for your great questions. And thanks to Laura Carmichael and Hugh Bonneville. Thank you.